So here's a fun story. Um, 25 years ago this summer, my wife and I uh, were pastoring in Daytona Beach, Florida. And uh, we received an invitation to come and meet with a search committee here at Eastside Church about becoming your pastors. And we were quite uh, honored to even have that call, uh, but we were trying to figure out what God was doing in our life. And I do remember coming here and meeting with a number of boards and committees, a group of you, some of you in this congregation today, online or on campus, were in that meeting. And I remember hearing about all the wonderful things that Eastside was about and all the wonderful ways God was using this church. And, and then I, I remember stopping the conversation at one point in time and, and basically making a pronouncement. I mean, I was a young guy. Uh, full of vim and vigor and thought I knew everything, but I got this one right, all right, just to let you know I did. I, I said to the people in that room, if God is calling me and calling Becky for us to come to this place and be your pastors, I want you to know I have two sons, and I will not sacrifice their, their lives, their opportunity to know Jesus Christ on the altar of this church's success. And so I just need you to know you've got to let me be a dad before you let me expect me to be your pastor. And around that room, there were heads nodding and everybody going, you know what, we will do that. And today, as we dedicate Carter and Vera, I just want to say to you, thank you for praying for my family. There are many of you who daily pray for our family. And I just had to take this minute to say thank you so much for doing that. Um, as we have grown as people, as we've grown as a congregation. We also, in that next year, as a church, identified a mission statement. A mission statement that comes out of one of the most unique places in Scripture. It's in John chapter 12. It's a great story. Jesus has come into Jerusalem. It's that what we refer to as Palm Sunday uh, during uh, the, what we would now call Holy Week, but it was the Passover week then. And as Jesus came into the city and there were all the palm branches and the cloaks laid on the ground, uh, there were people in the crowd looking as the others were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and when, the, when the parade was over, after the parade was over, there were some guys who were not Jewish, some guys who weren't of a Hebrew heritage, who, who came to some of Jesus' disciples, and they, and they said to them, hey, we, we would see Jesus. That's the most amazing phrase, I think, in all the Scripture. We would see Jesus. In fact, one of the very first churches that I preached at had a plaque on the pulpit that had that phrase for the pastor, we would see Jesus, so that the, the person who was presenting the Word of God would know, it's not our job for you to see us, it's our job for you to see Jesus. And this morning, I, I want to share with you the ways that here at Eastside, we have seen Jesus in the last year. Because you see, what Jesus responded to when the disciples brought those men to him was an amazing statement. He said this, now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, for this purpose I've come. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, as an angel has spoken to Jesus. But Jesus answered, this, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. And now 
is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. You see, here at Eastside, our mission is to live out what Jesus said that day. See, what Jesus was saying is that when he would be crucified, when he would be lifted up from the earth, when he would give his life as a sacrifice, that he would literally be in the process of casting Satan away from this earth, of casting Satan away from the kingdom of God and reclaiming people in order to be a part of the kingdom of God so that when he was lifted up, he would draw all people to himself. And this morning, I I, want to talk to you about how Jesus has fulfilled that mission through Eastside Church in the last 14 months. We call this our Impact Sunday. I've had a number of people ask me over the last... uh, over the last few months, you know, how, how did Eastside make it through the pandemic? And, and I said, we haven't yet. It's still going on. We're still looking at the ramifications of the last 14 months. But, but along the way, we've seen Jesus do some amazing things. And so this morning, I just want to take a few minutes and share with you what Jesus has done in this place and through this place. And I'm referring to it in four categories. The, the first category is called the pivot, all right? Um, For preachers, we were all kind of fed up with the pivot. Um, It was that place where last March, in March of 2020, everything shut down. And and churches were scrambling. Literally, on 72 hours notice, we were trying to figure out, what are we going to do? How are we going to have church? Are we going to have church? Should we have church? Can we not have church? And then we found out what God had already been doing. Because you see, when we made that pivot last March, and from March and April and May we began to see God do amazing things. The the first thing we saw him do was that he made a provision for us for online streaming. For for those of you who do not know the story, in 2019, one year before the pandemic, a member of this congregation approached me on a Sunday morning after a service and said, hey, pastor, what would it take for the church to, to stream the services online? I think we need to do that. I said, oh, we can't do that. that. That costs way too much money. They said, well, how much money would it cost? And I, off the top of my head, I just, I came up with a number. I'm, I'm good at that, all right? I'm just like, oh, it'll cost this much money. I thought I picked a big enough number to make them go away. That's what I was trying to do. Just pick a big enough number. Nope, not going to do that. You, you know what happened? The lady looked at me and said, well, find out if that's a real number or not. She kind of knew me, all right? And so I I went to our staff, and I said, hey, would you guys research this? And they came back, took about a week, maybe maybe 10 days, and they came back with a bid from a company here in Anderson. And and you know what happened? That bid was three times as much money as I told that lady. So I did what any good preacher would do. I dodged that lady for a month. Every, every time she'd come to church, after church, I'm out of here. Man, I'm not, I'm not listening to her, not at all. Finally, after a month, she caught me one Sunday morning. She said, you're dodging me. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I'm dodging you. Why? Well, because I really didn't know what I was talking about. I shot you a number, and it wasn't enough. It's going to take this much. She goes, that's a lot of money. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, just a minute. And she left the front of the sanctuary here. She walked back under the balcony and she grabbed her husband, who was in a conversation with some of his friends, and she said to him, um, I could see them. I you know, kind of pulled him out. I see from up here. I'm looking back. I'm seeing two heads, you know, conversation. Kind of, mm-mm, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
All of a sudden, she came marching right back down here. She said, you'll have the money by Thursday, but you make sure it's done right. I'm like, yes, ma'am. By Thursday, we had the money. It took us a few months, given some of the limitations of our geographic location here in the city of Anderson and the age of our building to, to get it right. But can I tell you that we got it right? And we began streaming our services on January of 2020, every Sunday, all the services, live. And guess what? Eight weeks later, it was the only option we had for how to have church. Because God, God was at work in the process of the pivot. A couple of years earlier, we had, we had began making available for people the opportunity to give online. And so I want to thank so many of you that, that began in 2020 to pivot from bringing your offering on Sunday morning to, to giving it online in a recurring fashion. To those of you who mailed your offerings, I'm so thankful. God did that for us even before the pandemic hit. He also, he also gave us an administrative staff, an office staff, that was willing, even in the midst of a pandemic, to come in with safety protocols, to be safe, to, to do what needed to happen to get everybody well and, and to keep people safe, and yet they were willing to come in Monday through Friday and be here at the office so they could process the mail and they could, they could take care of the building and they could do what needed to happen. And then when the governor established who was essential, you remember that quarantine when you weren't supposed to leave your house unless you were an essential worker? And guess what? They determined that church members were essential workers when they were doing the work of the church. And so our staff could go out, even when it was supposed to be nobody going out, and they could deliver. And many of you received the deliveries of children's material and other things in your homes that we were able to provide for. And then uh, our staff came up with the idea of, of developing online daily devotions that we would put out on social media. And, and Pastor Terry Downey, who you just met a few moments ago, she took charge of that. And many of you, dozens of you from this congregation began to, to write and record those daily devotions. And we did that for six months. See, in the pivot, we had to find new ways of letting people see Jesus. And we did. And then it just kind of kept going. Last Easter, we, had, we, we didn't know what to do in Easter of 2020, but we thought, you know what, we'll just give it a shot, and we'll put it online, and we'll do what we can do. And, and God did amazing things. Over 3,000 people participated. That's the largest Easter. We've never had 3,000 people on campus in the history of our church. But we did that day through the gifts that God had already given and, and our worship department made a, made a video of a song, a song that became very popular during the pandemic called Waymaker. It talks about God making a way, and, and many of our congregation members became a part of that video. It went viral and reached over 45,000 views and received recognition all over the country and the world. On Mother's Day, we, we put seed packets together. We put them in those packets that we were delivering to families, and, and then we mailed them to those of you who didn't have children at home. We just wanted every lady to know that you still matter to us, even though we couldn't bring you here and give you flowers like we had for 20 years prior. And then when the graduate open house took place, you know, it's Indiana. If for those of you who are not from Indiana, this is a place where when high school graduates graduate, their families are expected to throw the biggest party in the neighborhood. It's just a cultural thing here. Balloons, uh, food, all that kind of stuff happens. But we couldn't do it. It was quarantine. It was a pandemic. So what do we do? 
we invited all of them to come and use our north parking lot and bring their cars and tailgate and socially distance. And, and you know what? We were able to recognize the 2020 seniors. Our children's ministry began to do ministry in places we'll talk about throughout the summer. And then last May, last May when that horrible, horrible incident happened in Minneapolis where George Floyd was murdered in view of people. And the issue of racial injustice began to, began to just overtake us in this country. Uh, we began to recognize things that we thought we had fixed, but they hadn't been fixed. Our elders and our staff put in tremendous amount of prayer and thought to, to come up with a, with a statement that we felt like would, would recognize our mission statement, where our mission statement says we exist for the purpose of lifting up Jesus Christ as Savior for those who are lost, as Lord of the church, the one in charge of the church, and as reconciler for the whole world so that people can discover hope for their living. You see, we've been talking about racial reconciliation at Eastside Church for a long, long time. And because we had a platform for that, our elders came up with the staff, and we came up with, together, the elders, we came up with the statement that's across our website. Many of you have seen it as you've been looking for a church home. I had a, a young African-American man from Fort Wayne who had never been to this church physically come to have a meeting with one of our staff just in the last couple of weeks. And he, he said, hey, I just want to tell you, I grew up in South Georgia, and I live in Fort Wayne. And I've, and I've been active in churches trying to bring racial harmony out of the racial injustice. And, and when, I, when I was looking at your church and I saw that statement about all, all racism is sin and all injustice breaks the heart of God, I've never seen a statement like that. Thank you. You see, we, we put some thought into how we responded. And then last fall we were a part of a unity walk, something we'd been doing for several years in October with other pastors and church members from around the city. Because in Anderson, it's important for us to bring healing and racial reconciliation. And yet last year, that was really, really important, and we were a part of it. But after the pivot, we began to talk about regathering. God used the pivot, and he began to work through us in ways we had never imagined before. And, and then we got the opportunity to regather. And from June to November of last year, we regathered, and we came back into this place. But we did it in some different ways. First of all, the Eastside Kids team was having outdoor family nights. Some of you remember those? By the way, those are not going away when the pandemic's over. We're going to have some more parties, all right? We like parties, all right? They're fun. And, and popsicles in the park. In fact, our Eastside youth began meeting outdoors so that they could be together in a safe, socially distanced way. And we came into this room and we took all the pews out so that we could create a, a safe environment because our rows of pews were not even six feet apart and, and that's just going in the aisle. Don't, don't even think about how close they were in the other ways. Uh, they were about 18 inches if you want to know the exact number. And that just wasn't safe. So we began to resume campus services with COVID protocols in place. And our Sunday life groups, I, I, I know some of them are actually meeting right now. 
this morning, and some meet through the week, and, and I just want to say a word of thanks to, the, to, the, to those life groups and the way that they adjusted and, and the way they met in people's yards and the way they met online. I mean, how many of you even knew what Zoom was in 2019? <laughs> and yet by 2020, we were all using it to connect with one another. Some guy said to me, if I was smart, I would have bought stock in Zoom in 2019, all right? What I want you to know is this, that we didn't stop when we regathered. We had hope boxes uh, that our staff came up with, our kids' ministry team created, and we delivered them to every family in our congregation that had children or youth at home. Every month throughout the pandemic, we've continued to partner with 10th Street Elementary and Second Harvest Food Bank to distribute food at 10th Street Elementary on a Thursday night before the end of the month when families in this community need that kind of help. They needed it before the pandemic. They really needed it during the pandemic. And you continued to do that. We've provided supplies for teachers and students at Valley Grove Elementary and Eastside Elementary and 10th Street Elementary and Liberty Christian School. We got, uh, these are cookies that we took for all the teachers when they came back at 10th Street Elementary. We actually did some at, at the other schools as well. And then there were things that we did project-wise for each one of them. By the way, in the little box to the picture on your far left, that's not a gun. That's a camera. Just want to let you know. It's a webcam. When we first got the picture back, I'm like, we're giving the teachers guns? No, we're, we're, these, are, these, these are webcams that, that the teachers at Eastside Elementary needed for their computers to adjust to the new reality. There's a, there's a, and by the way, those are not three preschoolers on the playground. Those are three of our men from Eastside Church. And uh, although if you know Hostetler, Baird, and Carr, it's a possibility, all right? Um, but they, they built that for the, the preschool at Liberty Christian. Um, and then down at uh, Valley Grove Elementary, uh, we provided all kinds of supplies for them prim- you know, to be able to, to keep teaching their children as they made pivots. We couldn't meet all the needs, but we tried to meet the ones we could find and the ones we could meet. And from June through November, we continued to figure out what we were doing I've told you before, my favorite quote from a pastor in the last year is from Dave Ferguson up in Chicago who made the statement, let's just all be honest, folks. We're all pastors and none of us have a clue what we're doing. We are all making this up as we go. And this morning, I just want to thank you for being so supportive and being so faithful as God has helped us make it through this year. But then it came the surge. Remember the surge, the holiday surge? November, December, January, we had to make another pivot and go online only for the holidays in order to keep people safe. And look what happened. Christmas boxes. We had done hope boxes. We did Christmas boxes for families with children at home so they could celebrate Advent together. And dozens, if not hundreds of you as families took part of that. I am so grateful for it. And then we partnered with Operation Love both to fund and distribute Christmas gifts and food to families who were in distress during that time frame. And some of you will remember back in, back in December, I, I made an announcement that our giving was holding up pretty steadily for our operating fund, but that our missions giving had, had kind of lagged. It was about 50% of what it had been the year before. And I made that announcement the last of November. And do you know that in December, people from this church came through? And those of you who joined us online, we, we got a, a contribution from a lady in Georgia. I don't know why Georgia's on my mind today, but there's a song in there somewhere, all right? 
and, and she, she made a contribution through the online giving. And, and when our, our finance director got in touch with her about where to send her charitable contribution, uh, the, the, lady, the lady said, hey, I just found Eastside Church online, and, and my home church is open, but people are not social distancing, and they're not being safe, and I'm vulnerable. And, and so at that stage, she didn't feel comfortable in her home church in South Georgia, but she felt comfortable here. And as she said in her email, God told me I can trust that church to help those missionaries. And she sent a $500 check. A lady who's never been to Indiana, or Anderson, Indiana, that we know of, never been in the doors of this church, but God used her and God used many of you to make contributions so that by the end of December, our global engagement giving had actually surpassed the previous year. And then our online Christmas Eve service, a thousand people online. We've never had an on-campus an on Christmas Eve service with a thousand people, but we had an online service that had that many people engage with it. And then you're sitting in a room that we decided, the elders decided, you know what? We've looked at this ugly carpet long enough. Remember that carpet? Some of you are old enough to remember when it was put in, it was beautiful blue. I thought it was gray. It had been gray the whole time I'd been here. Then we pulled off the pews and we saw, oh, it used to be blue, but now it's gray in spots. In fact, it was like the it was a leopard, uh, you know, not leopard spots. It was a zebra is what it was. It had all the stripes across it. And God provided. And you're sitting today in a room that's had a $150,000 refresh, a refresh that didn't come out of the budget, a refresh that we didn't borrow money for, but we had $150,000 in designated, donor-designated gifts to help us refresh this room. And as those of you who are seeing it live for the first time are saying to me over and over again, it is beautiful. And if you think it's pretty now, wait till we get those new chairs that we've ordered in. They are going to be beautiful. And so we began to come out of that pivot. Now, regathering 2.0. That's what I call it. We started again in February on campus services, and look what we've done. God has done. See, in February through May, we came to the end of our financial year, the year that they told us a year ago, hey, churches, you need to know you're probably going to have to cut your budgets by 30 to 50 percent. And here at Eastside, our income did drop. It dropped 3 percent. And because we managed the income and managed the expenses, we were able to, to actually finish the year as of March 31st, with income ahead of expenses, and to finish the year in the best financial position we've been in in a long, long time. And so we know that now there's been a strong response to our congregational survey regarding spiritual impact for the last year, and we're continuing to make steps toward a full regathering of our ministries in a safe and healthy fashion. And, and so I just you know, today, after the CDC's recommendation this week, that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask anywhere. We're just asking those of you who are not fully vaccinated to continue to mask up for your safety. But for those of you who are vaccinated here on campus, then we're, we're saying to you that uh, you don't have to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. 
but we're not going to police it. We're just going to suggest to you for your own health, if you want to, if, if you want, if you're not vaccinated, if that's not what you want to do, that's fine. We just want you to be healthy. But there's some things that we've learned, and these are the things. We had 25 questions on a, on a survey with the Barna organization that we sent out to 1,800 people from our congregation, 1,800 email addresses, people 18 years of age or 16 years of age and above. And you know what we found out? We found out that God's been at work when you try to lift up Jesus. We found out there was a question that said, I've seen a decline in my spiritual life over the past few months. You got to know, 82% of you disagreed. We thought that was the most amazing thing. Oh, and by the way, uh, over, over 250 different people responded to an 1,800. If you took statistics in college, you know that that is an amazing response rate of about 15% from when you do a survey, a blind survey like this. And so what we've also found is this, and this one just blew our staff away. Once pandemic restrictions are lifted, how involved with this church do you want to be? Now, 4% of you said, you know what, I probably need to be a little less involved than I was before. And 71% of the people who responded said, you know what, I want to be just as involved with Eastside as I was before the pandemic. But I can I tell you, 25% of the people who responded to this said, you know what, I want to be more involved in the ministries and the life of Eastside Church than I was before the pandemic. And so to those of you who are in the 25%, we have your names. And we're praying for you, and we're praying that God will show you where it is that you want to be involved. And we just want you to know that he is at work, and we are inviting you to help us with this mission. But you know what? That's the last year. What are we going to do with this? What has God been doing to position us? Why did he allow us to come through in the best financial shape we've been in in a few years? Why did he allow us to, to see the kind of growth that we've had? Because you see, here's, here's what we've discovered. We're going to continue to develop the online campus. Pastor Jason Fries is going to continue to lead our online campus. And, and I just want you to know that in the last year, we can't tell exactly how many people watch a stream, but we can find out how many IP addresses there are. And in the last year, 10,000 plus different distinct IP addresses have viewed a stream off our church online platform. That doesn't include Facebook or any of those kind of things. It includes just our church online platform through our website. And even using the most conservative estimates of numbers of how many people that, matter, that actually means, it's somewhere in the area of 17 to 20,000 people have watched or viewed, participated in an online service here. 30 people have, have acknowledged, hey, you know what, I've accepted Christ through the online ministry. 72 online prayer sessions where our pastors prayed during the service with them. And 68 people after the service was over sent in a prayer request and said, hey, I just want you praying for me. So our future will be hybrid. We're going to continue to stream the services. We're going to continue to, to work on the online campus, but we're also going to continue to regather on campus, and we're going to start reopening ministries as, as it is safe for us to do so. And we're going to keep regathering. But this next, this next thing is something very important. I, I made in the announcements about this that um, today I would share with you an historic announcement. And, and I've had people say, are you leaving? No. Is someone else on the staff leaving? No. But here's the announcement. In the last month, we received a $480,000 contribution designated to pay off the debt or mortgage 
on our facility. We have, we have somewhere in the area of $15 million worth of facility here at Eastside Church with all the property and all the things that we own. And we, we had a small mortgage of about $480,000. And we had a group of individuals who called and asked, how, how, how much is that mortgage? And in April, three, three weeks ago, they, they sent a contribution in. I want you to know, I hand-delivered it to the bank. I went to the bank and said, here is the, here is the check. Pay the mortgage off. We have, there is actually no mortgage on anything Eastside Church owns at this point in time. That is an amazing gift. And you need to know this. <laughs> I would check the records, and the furthest records I can find back go to 1965, 64. And we know this. We've had a mortgage ever since 1965 of some form or fashion. So that's why it's historic. We think it's from 1961. And so we believe that it's the first time in 60 years that we don't have a mortgage to have to worry about. And so we have an opportunity to, to make a difference, a bigger difference in the world. So we want to move forward into a future held by God and trusting God.